Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast, produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health-related products, services, tools, and resources. We're live, and this is an episode I'm pretty excited about. We're going to talk about one of my favorite self-care practices and, and things to do in my free time is floating. And uh, I'm here with Michael Cordova. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I know it took us a little while to get it put together between my move and some scheduling things and rescheduling, but we're here. And this might be some new information for our audience. It's not something I've interviewed anybody about before or really talked about a whole lot if you're not in our Facebook group or other places where I kind of share things. But before we get into floating and what we're even talking about, I'd like to introduce Michael and then we can get into chatting about a really cool practice that I think pretty much everybody would benefit from trying. So Michael is the co-founder of Floating Point Float Center in Pangborn. How Pangborn. do I say that? Yeah, Pangborn. Pangborn, UK. In 2017, he gave the world's first TEDx talk on flotation therapy and regularly appears on BBC Radio Berkshire's well-being panel. Michael has also spoken at the Float Conference in 2020. I apologize for any future butchering of places and names that I don't know how to pronounce. He chairs the UK and Republic of Ireland Float Tank Association is on the board of directors for the Float Tank Association in North America. He also chairs the Medical Research Medical and Research Committee. Michael has a great interest in performance and optimization and how floating can play an important part in improving one's self, even tracking his full sleep cycle during an overnight float session. That is something I've always wanted to do. We're going to talk about that. Using wearable tech and helping to coordinate research studies. Michael and Floating Point have supported a number of elite athletes since 2011 and are currently associate partners with British Rowing, supporting the Olympic athletes with recovery and performance. He's also supported a number of float centers in the UK and Europe, providing knowledge, advice, and consultation where needed to help the businesses develop. And his own personal story began floating in 2010 after suffering with stress and anxiety due to work, which I'm sure nobody out there can relate to, and knew after the first session that he would open a center one day. He and his wife floated for five years before opening their first center in the UK and flotation therapy changed his life and now he and his wife are helping countless others through the power of floating you're a busy man and yep. mm -hmm. thank you for doing so much on behalf of floating and floats owners and and people who are advocates for this i think that many float center owners probably have a similar story to yours mm -hmm. that they tried it out and a light switch went off and was like i need to have this in my life and open a center. I know Marilyn, uh, shout to Marilyn who introduced us, my friend Marilyn. She had some days to kill in New York City a lot of years ago. And she said, what should I do on my days off in New York? I said, go to this float place that my friend took me to. And I got a text a couple of days later that said, that was awesome. I'm going to open one of those. And now she's got a center in near Portland, outside Portland in Oregon, Washington, actually, but there. So what are we talking about? I guess we'll start there. What is floating and what is a sensory deprivation tank? Okay, well, 
so floating or they call it flotation rest which is restricted environmental stimulation therapy is essentially just a practice where you float effortlessly in either a float tank or you can get a float pod or they have you can get float rooms as well so that's filled with around about half a ton of epsom salt in obviously heavily dense epsom salt solution water um so that sends heated to around skin temperatures so around well, in say UK, Europe, 35.5 degrees Celsius. So the environment in the tank is essentially controlled. So we try and keep the air temperature as close to, and the water temperature as close to skin temperature as possible. So once you're obviously settled in, then you'll get to a point where you won't necessarily feel like there's water there. So it won't be possible to sort of feel where different parts of your body are in the water and which are not. So without obviously all this constant distraction um, from the world around us, then it allows our body to lower its, you know, it lowers its levels of cortisol and it helps us to reduce stress. So it gives our, essentially our minds and bodies a well-deserved break. And we have suddenly a less, less of a load of extra resources, you know, less, essentially we have less stress, less anxiety, everything just reduces, your heart rate reduces, your breathing rate reduces. And then what we do have is extra resources. So that allows us to focus on things like healing and resting. So hence, forth the you know stress and anxiety just sort of reduce or uh, simply just float away and so and it's dark yeah oh yeah well you can well. yeah yeah so the, the, the interesting thing is is they so yeah yeah you can have the lights on or off the interesting thing is is what they found with other research previously i can't remember the study exactly but it, it, they found that actually having the lights on or off in the tank don't makes in terms of the the outcomes and studies it didn't really make much difference mm-hmm. So, Interesting. But I, I mean, I prefer to have lights off, to be fair, because I think you can get to a much deeper state of relaxation in terms of a much deeper level of, of floating. But if essentially, if you think about it, once you're, you know, if, I think if people want to leave the lights on, then, you know, it makes them feel comfortable, and that's fine. If people are going to have their eyes closed for pretty much the majority of the session anyway. But I like having that, The I think a lot of people just like having being in the dark. And I guess it's going to be very similar to when people go to bed, you know, once the lights are off, once it's dark, and your body's going to then start to potentially produce like melatonin, you know, ready for sleep and things. So it's sort of, you know what I mean? So I think those little aspects may help further to, um, you know, help people get into that deeper state faster. Do you know what I mean? So it, it, it's a double, double, double bonus there. Yeah, and you mentioned that you lose track of where the water is or is not on your body. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely attest to this within about five minutes. At first, you know, you know, you're in water, mm-hmm. everything's wet, feels wet. But once you get situated and you're not moving anymore and the water's not moving and everything's solid, it only takes a few minutes. And then where that water line is on your body kind of just dissipates. And to feel the air or the water, you really have to bring your awareness. Like you have to really try. If you're not trying, it just kind of feels like you're just in this space. And what about the sound? So Traditionally, I uh, started in in Chicago at Mm. Space Time Tanks, which I think was one of the first, at least in the U.S., commercial places. They closed a few years back to remodel, and I don't think they ever reopened, but (laughs) it was an old school place. It was like walking into something that was designed and built in the 70s. The tanks looked really old. They were like big rectangular things. It was quiet. There's no sound, no light. But now when I go to the more modern places, they ask if I want music, if I want sound. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything if the sound has an impact at all? Has that been studied or is silence? I think. Does it matter? Uh, I mean, it depends. I mean, 
I don't think there's anything in particular research-wise that's been done with with the sound audio side of things. I think some it's so if like for example where we are at Mosanta here, we 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 do we have the same. So we offer by the music beginning and end of the session, which is obviously ten minutes in silence for forty-five and five minutes at the end, or music throughout the session. So some people like to have that music. It just gives them that extra security. I think that they you know. And it's a good way to, to get people in, you know, used to floating that are maybe slightly kind of anxious or a bit wary about doing it, to be honest with you. So because we have the music throughout, it might be in the few sessions they have music throughout the session and they may come to a point where they're like, okay, then because they zone out at a point, they won't be aware that music's playing or not. So after maybe three or four sessions, they may just have like no music throughout the session. So it's a good way to get people used to it. If you know what I mean, it's more approachable or, if there's yeah, yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, for yeah the exactly. People. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with the lights and that sort of thing. So the more they get used to it, then the more they are, oh, they're comfortable with the environment. You know, they don't. And then the other side of it is, so we use other specific tracks with different frequencies embedded in them. So we have, so you like some people may even know certain tracks is like binaural binaural beats where you have your left and right. Mm. So that's all done in stereo. So because a lot of the tanks were necessarily working stereo with speaker-wise, because they usually they had maybe have one transducer at the back and may have other transducers in the in the walls of the tanks or the pods. But even then, you're not going to get the exact because you may shift and move slightly. So you're not going to get the sound exactly the same left and right. So we've used the isochronic tones in the tanks with music. So that sometimes is some for some clients when once they've had a few sessions, they get really into that, really into it. Sometimes they they like to use these tracks because it just sends them somewhere else you know much of much deeper float sessions as well so you know so I, I, I like to try different things basically you know i don't <clears throat> yeah we gotcha. don't have just you know what i mean so i like, I like to, to push give that a try yeah yeah i started out as a purist like i started out in the dark with no sound and i did probably 100 floats like that and then i once i was like okay i'll try the music because there was this this girl at the place i was going to mm. in berkeley who was really adamant that i at least give it a try one time and so I did and I hated it, but it wasn't tones like that. It was like yeah. meditation spa music. Hmm. And I just, I think I'm too used to the, to the black yeah. nothingness and no sound and no light. And so. And it, I think it depends on but, your mood, you know, like, I mean, so sometimes I'll float and I'll have like complete silence or sometimes I'll feel, oh, I, I just need some music. And I just, I think how it could be good. more approachable with the light yeah. and the sound. Cause honestly, the first few times I went, it's, I know a lot of people will say like, I don't like to be alone with my thoughts or alone mm. with myself mm-hmm. or alone with whatever, like the same people have a difficult time with meditation being put in a float tank in the dark with no sound. <laughs> that's where you are. And that's <laughs> yeah. what you're doing. And yeah, so exactly. I was one of those people at first, but it actually shifted me in a way that eventually I was going once a week or once every other week. And it was like my reset button. Like it was, I would, I could tell by how I felt, how long it had been since I was there. A lot okay. of the time. Yeah, yeah. The first few days afterwards was this different kind of lighter, easier feel. And after a couple of weeks of like regular life and stress, I knew I had to get back in there. So I want to add just a little bit of the history. Like when, where the hell did this come from? Who thought of this? Where did it come from? How long have people been doing this? Okay. So I'll give you a little bit of a background anyway. So, so we know that John Lilly... John C. Lilly created the uh, third stage. So the idea came from John Lilly anyway, and that was more, that was back in 1954. And the, you know, this was in, uh, so basically he, it wasn't really to do with kind of sensory deprivation because John Lilly didn't do any 
research with sensory deprivation. So, but it was more, it was, it was more response to the prevailing idea in science at the time anyway, that consciousness was not primary, but was as a result of interaction with the material world. Um, and he wanted to know that if there was no sensory stimuli coming in at a person, then what would happen to the brain? Would the brain cease to function? So Lily then, he'd been fascinated with all the subjects of reality, consciousness apparently since childhood. So then that's why he wished to scientifically explore the idea and sort of find the truth behind that, to be honest with you. He, the first iteration of the float tank was coming in 1954. So that was an upright tank. And then the person would have to wear, and this was in the regular water, by the way. So they'd have to wear like a large like helmet, basically. So it looked like one of those really old, like night, you know, really old scuba diving like helmets from the ones. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the fishbowl job. And they had like a hose that goes in for air. So so that was initially the first iteration, the 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 tank. So he was yeah, so then you know, then he then started spending hours in the tank and as and its benefits essentially became more and more apparent. He started to call it an isolation tank in, in more an appreciation of the fact that it, the, it isolated the person from the external world and distractions and actually created a, a more of a space for inner solitude, to be honest with you. So it was, essentially, he pointed out as well that the you know, isolation in a safe space, you know, allowed yourself, your one's consciousness to expand and explore anything the person can allow themselves to imagine. So this is a powerful idea, really, that this has been corroborated by countless people since Lily's time as well. So, and the safety, isolation and peace offered by the tank allows a mind of freedom, the freedom to expand the unfathomable reaches of the conscious universe. And then in 1970s, that's when Glenn Perry attended a workshop. So that was delivered by Lily himself and they tried out a makeshift float tank. And then when John's blessing and mentorship, he became the first designer and manufacturer of tanks for the public in the US. So hence why the tank he may have used before may have been the Samadhi tank, which was from the original ones that Glenn and Lee Perry. I remember the name. The name was on it. Yeah. 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 So Glenn and Lee Perry, their company is still around and millions of people around the world still use their tanks. And because of their work with their first commercial tanks uh, are able to float now. So, I mean, it's, it's un- unfortunately Lee Perry passed away fairly recently, but, but Glenn's still around, Glenn's still here. And, you know, they're still, still working hard with the, um, within the flow industry. So a lot of words in there, consciousness and <laughs> yeah. awareness. And like, yeah. so people, because like, I've met spending time at floats centers, you meet interesting people and I've met people in like the a lot of them have a room you hang out in before or after to relax things like that i've met some interesting people at these and i've met athletes who mm-hmm. go there for recovery purposes i've met like hardcore meditator yogi types who are mm-hmm. there to do like deep states of meditation i've met people who just say i just feel better when i do this like i have anxiety and i just feel better when i do this I've met people who had injuries and this helps for me a lot. I have some nagging pain, chronic shoulder, knee stuff. After I float, it almost feels like I had a massage, but I didn't have anybody touch me. And I think that's because my muscles and everything can relax so much in the water. But I've met countless different people who all have a different reason for being there and they all get a different benefit out of being Mm -hmm. there. I've also noticed that for me, I run two businesses. I juggle a lot of plates. There's a lot of like things on my mind all the time. There's a lot of problems I'm trying to solve all the time or things I'm trying to figure out. And I've noticed that 
it's gotten to the point where people that I work with, if we're like stuck on something or we can't figure out a way forward with something, everybody says like, Mike, go get in the float tank because <laughs> I've gotten a whole bunch of ideas when I'm in a yeah, float yeah. tank and not like sitting there consciously being like, mm. okay, I need to figure out the solution to this problem. It's more like I'm just there. And then I get like, bing, there's this idea, bing, there's this idea. And it's like a portal to the, the place where ideas come from. So, I mean, what kind of people do you see coming into your, your center there? And what are they looking for or hmm. getting? So it's, I would say we have a quite a wide range of people that come. So we've run artists or programs before. So we've had artists that have produced artwork based on their float sessions. So where they've, um, where different ideas have popped into their heads. We've had, I've had other musicians. So interestingly, I had a guy that came a little while ago, but he came for like a two hour float session and he came out of the tank and he went to go sit on our chill out area. And then his bag was there, but he like disappeared from the building. I'd like try to find him everywhere. And then I, you know, he's running around trying to see where he is. And, and I came back and then he was just there in the room and he had his electric guitar. He had his headphones plugged in and was just, um, just sat there writing music, you know, after, after his float session. So and I've, I've got everything else in between. We have partnerships with the British rowing teams or the Olympic rowers. So some of them will come for recovery. Some of them will come because they're preparing for like trials or, com- you know, or competitions and things. So they'll come in maybe a week before and use it for like visualization techniques or just to sort of calm their minds, sort of just, let, you know, reset everything. We also have a lot of people with like chronic pain conditions. So like the fibromyalgia, for example. So that really helps in terms of managing their chronic pain conditions, even if it's just to give their bodies a break during that, the time for the float or even afterwards where they've had like reduced pain. I mean, there's a whole range of different people, to be honest with you, man. But yeah, like I say, in terms of the meditation side of things, I've got a lot of people who want to come and you're more to explore the consciousness side of things and sort of kind of take their hands off the wheel when they're floating and see where they see where they end up, you know? But I mean, it's, I mean, everybody comes for various different reasons and it, it, it just, it's, what I'd say is that the tanks or the pod itself is just essentially a vehicle. So it, it depends where you want to go. It's kind of up to you to a point. Whether you want to, whether you set an intention about going in or whether you decide to take your hands off the wheel and just see where the, where the tank takes you. Do you know what I mean? Just, that's, that's the kind of the best way I see it really, to be honest. It's just a, like an intergalactic consciousness space machine, man. You know? so. Perfect. That, uh, I, I think I would agree. I used to go and be like, okay, today I'm going to go in there and I'm going to focus on this or this is going to, now I just like shut the, shut the game off and get in the thing and whatever happens, happens. And it's always different every time as same as it is too. It's always different. It's, I, I don't have the same experience twice. And I'm curious though, before I forget, you slept in the tank and you wore some sort of wearable tech that oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. was giving biofeedback, but were you able to like sleep like normal, like like a whole bunch of hours sleep, or was it kind of on off, kind of dozy, no. like it can get in a in a regular float session, or what was that? I've always been curious. I've never um, been friendly enough with someone who owns the center that I get the keys for the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So essentially, I okay. So basically, I got on the. I did like a prep sort of uh, routine. So I had infrared red light therapy before, and then I had some, I did some CBD just to kind of like chill out a little bit. Cause I knew it was going to be a long, long evening. <laughs> so I need to, I wanted to be in the best sort of, you know, give myself best possible advantage in terms of actually getting to sleep and staying, getting to sleep really, 
so yeah, I mean, I went to bed about about ten past eleven at night. I mean, I, I slept for about six and a half hours. To be honest with you, I mean, I did sleep. I mean, I tracked it on, yeah. So I tracked it on um, the aura ring. So, which I mean, I the, the the issue I had was literally the day before I did like a four hour session with the aura ring, but for whatever reason, the ring must have moved, or there was yeah, or something got between the ring, or there, there was space, so it didn't do, it didn't take any readings the night the night before. So I was quite lucky; it was only four hours. To be so I had a good session, but that was a kind of prep, I guess, float. And then the next day, that's when I did the uh, the longer one. So I might, I managed to get yeah, about six and a half hours sleep. So REM sleep was about an hour and twenty, uh, an hour and twenty-one minutes, and then I had light sleep for about four hours, forty minutes, and then about another half hour of like deep sleep. So it was like, it was more like a, I wasn't like a full sleep sleep, you know what I mean? But it was like quite well. After, I definitely felt well rested after that, and then my heart rate went down to about the name was like fifty-nine BPM, I think, during that time. So I bet floating has a really positive impact on heart rate variability. Yeah, which is conversations I've I've done. I've interviewed and hosted a presentation with Roland McCready, the head of research from HeartMath. If you're familiar with the HeartMath Institute at all, but yeah. they're big in oh, yeah. heart rate variability, and oh, he's yeah. given presentations that are like mind-boggling about some of that stuff. But I would guess floating has a really positive impact on. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, in, uh, weirdly, <laughs> you mentioned the heart math stuff, but actually, I've got um, so I use heart math to record my data as well after the float session. So in terms of my, you know, my the coherence rate as mm-hmm. well. So that was so, so my coherence rate definitely improved as well. So which essentially means I was just a lot, not more relaxed in terms of my higher variability. The you know it was very more yeah. It was all positive yeah. stuff, basically. I mean, you know, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go and sleep in the float tank every day. No, no. But even no, I just mean regular sessions. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. I've never tested my HRV before and after I went in there, but no, you should. Uh, there's no way it wouldn't be better because I, mm. I always joke about my post-float float mm-hmm. <laughs> that I feel like I'm floating as I move through my day. Like, I yeah. try not to schedule anything. And maybe you could talk to this a little bit. I try not to schedule yeah. anything in a day after my float that is either going to be like really stressful or involve like a ton of mental energy or anything. I tried, if I do it during the day, I do it to where the rest of my day is pretty easy or Mm -hmm. I go in the evening. Yeah. Maybe that's backwards. Maybe some people do great with a work day after a float. Yeah. yeah. I think it depends on the individual as well. Like, so same, some people have preferences for, you know, like just normal morning floats or afternoon or evening floats or with people want to have, I mean, I do have clients that sort of work in tech and the entrepreneurs and things and they'll come, they'll, they'll come and float like middle of the day to take a break and then they'll come and sit in the chill out room again and they'll have their laptop out or their, their notebook or their journal and start journaling or writing ideas down or, or, or work on like, we'll start working on a project. It just sort of gives them that space to, you know, in the tank to sort of just not just switch off, but like like you said, when you get different ideas and things, it's like mm-hmm. it's basically it's one of those things. It's like when you know when you have like if you have a shower and you're not really if you're first thing in the morning, you're not really thinking about anything. Some you know, sometimes you know, you may have like an idea or something will just pop into your head. It's because you're not really it's the same principle really, but like a more of a like a hardcore extreme in like level to do it. Because essentially what you're doing is you're apart from getting you're trying to get your brain to more of a theta brainwave state. So you're more, it, you get to the point where you're, you're obviously not quite awake, but you're not quite asleep as well. So you get into that hypnagogic, hypnagogic state 
Which is, I imagine, like, be quite close to like daydreaming and things because daydreaming is something that we don't do n- enough of, and daydreaming is considered as a as a negative thing. But actually, daydreaming is supposed to be really, really positive, especially if you're working or doing something really stressful, and you're just because then you're what you're doing is you're giving your brain a, a, a like a mental break for five minutes, five ten minutes, and just letting it process what it needs to process, and then go okay. Because as soon as you start putting too much information into a computer, sometimes it will just get it will get clogged up and slow down, and just it just won't work. So it's just giving your, it's the same with the tank. You'll give your brain a chance to process thoughts and ideas and things without putting any pressure on it because it's obviously our brain's continually working all the time. So it's just like, you know, the background programs that are sort of there doing their job, but we don't have to work. We know we don't, we don't have to focus on doing anything with the programs. It's just, they're just running by themselves. But Lily, Lily John Lily, he wrote a book about that, about the human biocomputer and programming and metaprogramming. So he essentially he's one of the first people that basically related the human brain to being a computer. And our brains like hardware, like their hardware and all the programs, everything that's running is all the software. It's an interesting book. It's quite full on. Sounds like it. Yeah, it's quite, it's, yeah, yeah. So it talks a lot about his study, his experiments in the 60s and things. And yeah, it's kind of interesting because a lot of studies he did were mainly on himself. What's the and name of the book? It's called, it's just, it's, it's, if you look at the, the human biocomputer, John Lilly. the title? Yeah, 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 yeah. I throw it. Is. We'll put the link in the show notes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so that people can find it. Yeah, that's Programming and metaprogramming in the human yeah. biocomputer. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. This is pretty intense. Cool. Oh, it's translated into Italian because that's what came up when I searched oh, yeah, on my yeah. computer. Okay. <laughs> I don't need that one. I can barely read children's books at this point, but cool. I will check that out. It, it, it is a, it's, it's definitely, um, and it, it's interesting to read. I'd say, so some people it might be slightly challenging in terms of the, the content to try and wrap your head around, but it's one of those things you have to sort it, take it at, you, at its pace. Yeah. You know? yeah. If you're like a consciousness and yeah. mental nerd out there, this is probably for you. And if not, maybe a lighter book would be better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely a heavier book in terms of, um, you know, but cool. I mean, you, it can understand why, because, you know, if you look at how, how come research in terms of anxiety with Justin Feinstein and, and looking at um, how, how, you know, the mind body relation and talk about interception and how, you know, the idea is to, for people to be able to focus more on their breathing and their heart rate. So you're essentially creating a new association rather than being negative with like, obviously increase the heart rate and increase the breathing. If someone's having a panic attack or anxiety attack, for example, then what you're doing is then trying to create, a new association so essentially you're in some to some degree you're trying to reprogram your software or the program if there's you know to help people manage that anxiety and you know better you know have a great new association with those parts of their body that they normally associate with being negative so yeah that's close I'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit. It's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast. A gift from our team over at Rebel Health Tribe, producers of this show. And now back to your episode. Cool. We've talked a lot about some subjective benefits that people see when they go floating, less anxiety, oh, yeah. more creativity, more relaxation. I feel like I'm floating. Muscle soreness goes away, like yep. those kind of things. 
Uh-huh. What the hell is actually going on? Why does any of that happen? So like you're involved in the research side of things and, and keeping track of some of that with the mm. different organizations. Oh, yeah. What research has been done? Like, what do we know about how our physiology responds to being in these tanks? I mean, it, there's a few different sort of, I guess, studies that are quite interesting that I can, I can sort of I can pick out um, as well. So, I mean, I, me- I mentioned the, uh, the Justin Feinstein one, but I'll, um, I can come back to that one. So there's one to do with the, basically, the, the, they looked at, you know, the blood pressure, reduction in blood pressure, cortisol levels, and other stress-related chemicals, such as uh, neuron, neuron, adrenaline and ACTH11 and 12. So that was, so basically, they, they, there was a study that was done, that was back in 1991, and that's why Turner and Fine. So basically what we know is that these neurochemicals are known to trigger the fight or flight response, right? So, which is obviously great if we want to react quickly to life-threatening situations, but not when our body overreacts to any stresses. They're not life-threatening. So, you know, traffic jams, work pressure, et cetera. So, so basically the idea is that the, the environment, I guess, and the whole aspect of floating because of you're reducing all these stresses, everything just sort of naturally just slows down. So cortisol levels reduce and other stress-related neurochemicals drop so we're looking at a kind of increase increases in kind of endorphins those side of things as well so anything that's good good feel all the feel good kind of chemicals and drugs and like natural which is probably why you see people with positive results with those chronic pain conditions like fibromyalgia and things Uh like that are nervous system related so it's it's kind of giving the nervous system a break in a sense exactly Uh so essentially yeah you're slowing it down but it's the same thing you know with the with the anxiety side of things and the uh you know, uh, the depression, the anxiety, um, said the, uh, the Feinstein study, they had like 50 people with, you know, stress-related symptoms, everything from anxiety to disorders, to social, generalized anxiety, panic and tra- traumatic stress. So, yeah, so basically what they found is that within kind of 10 to 15 minutes of the float session, that their, their diastolic blood pressure dropped by about 10 points. And those level people with the highest levels of anxiety post-float, the biggest drop in anxiety levels, you know, Basically, after well, afterwards, yeah, and that continued for a few, well, at least for at least for a week, I think. So, but it, but it's one of those things. I've, I mean, we've had I've had clients here that have had panic attacks, you know, since they've had like long COVID, for example, and they've had panic attacks like twice a day for up to six days, and after their first float session, they had like two panic attacks the whole week. So, so it's just to help it's them kind dramatic. of, rest- yeah, just yeah, just a little bit, you know. So, you yeah, know, but I mean, obviously, it's, it's different for everybody, as I say, you know. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I've I've had people, you probably have heard this being the owner of a, a center, but I've had people that know that I float and I'll post about it or I'll post a picture mm. of the pod or I'll I'll do something. And they say, you know, I could never get in there or that's too scary or I'm claustrophobic or that's, you know, this, I would not do well in one of those. When people say that or people come in and they're curious mm. about floating, but they've never done it and they have these reservations about like, it's going to feel scary in there or something. Mm. What do you say to those people and how do you help them kind of ease their way in? Is it the light and the sound or what's the... I think the biggest thing for most people like that is to know that they're in charge of their environment. Uh, it, people like to have options. Like you mentioned with the music and the light side of things, as long as people know that they can they control the light, they can have music, they can leave the tank. If we, we, are, we normally say that people want to leave, leave the lid open, they can, or they want to leave it partially open, they can. What I tend to do is get people to leave the lid partially open that way they... If, it makes it a bit easier if they want to close it or leave it or if they want to push it open. It's up to them. So they have like some semblance of control. But to be honest with you, 
after about 10 minutes or so they most people just will just to say that we'll close it i mean i've had clients here who've have um who floated and they stayed in the tank for an hour who've had traumatic experiences with water and swimming they've they're, they're scared of water but they floated the whole time they stayed in the tank they people have not been able to swim and they stayed in the whole time it's very rare That's- we didn't talk about the water itself. You mentioned one ton of oh yeah, well yeah, Epsom so it's salt, of- which is a which is a lot of Epsom yeah. salt. So you float, float, float for serious float. Oh yeah, yeah. How yeah. deep is this water? People might not have any idea or any visual. Like it is, sure. what is it about a f- eight inches or a foot or something? Yeah, something like that. I think of it as, it's it's quite a similar depth to a regular to like a standard bath, mm-hmm. I guess. So I'd say yeah, probably around that. Maybe try to work it out. Yeah, maybe like maybe like forty centimeters or something. So I mean, basically, you could sit. Yeah, in like it. when you sit if, up. If you, if you sit yeah. up, yeah, it comes it's up, like it comes just a bit, like your yeah, legs. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted I mean, people to get a visual. We're not talking about like some big pool. Oh no, no, no. This yeah, is yeah, very yeah. shallow water. Like when you lay, if you just push your arms like a little yeah. bit, you mm-hmm. can touch the bottom of the pool oh, really yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah, like exactly, exactly. Yeah. So okay. it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's big enough that generally. Most flow sensors, I mean, the tanks are a lot bigger than they than they used to be, you know. And, and again, you know, pe- the, the thing is, is people we always you know, say, you know, people want to get out early, people don't want to stay in, then that's fine, it's up to them. But to be honest, to be honest with you, it's the people, the people that are the most skeptical about it, or a bit more concerned. Actually, I've tended to find them probably got more most benefit out of it because they don't tend to have any expectation about what it's going to do. Or, or they're, they're they're kind of it's easy because then they're more pleasantly surprised because they're they're in a sort of slightly negative mindset anyway potentially about the experience you know I know I'm going to be in here for an hour by myself my thoughts la 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 all this kind of stuff right and then it's like oh, actually then they get to a point where they just sort of zone out anyway and they don't and they, they don't remember like most of the session or I've had people that think oh, I'm going to think loads of things and then they go in and they can't think of anything their just brain just goes no. <laughs> And your brain, your mind and body knows what it needs. If your if your brain wants to process stuff, it's going to process stuff. If it doesn't, if it wants to go, okay, I've had enough of thinking. I'm just going to like, you know, just like not. It will. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the whole point of the tank. It's just you have to let your your mind and body kind of guides guide you for what it needs. You know, the the thing is, I say to people, it's like, yeah, you've because a lot of people will expect to have this expectation. I guess that they're going to switch on the tank. You know, it's going to be really relaxing. I'm not going to do anything. It's technically, I mean, if people want to think about it, it's like, oh, it's like a bit of a spa treatment, you know, nice thing to do. I mean, it can be. I'm not going to say it's not because for some people, that's what it does. But for but generally speaking, I, I'd say that it's not necessarily about what happens during the session, whether you switch off, whether it takes time to switch off, whether you feel relaxed. It's more about how you feel after the session when you come out of the tank. If you come out of the tank and you feel like really relaxed, de-stressed, um, but you spend like over half the half an hour or so just thinking stuff and you come out and you're still and you feel like more relaxed and clearly it's done what it's supposed to do. Your brain's done what it's supposed to do. Because if you're if our life's so busy, I mean I've got clients that are planned to go float and they'll plan their whole week in the tank because they've got there's no outside distractions. They've got enough, you know, there's nobody to no bit, no work, no anything else. And they can plan their whole week. Mm-hmm. It just means they're less stressed. everybody's Everybody's version of stress is slightly different. Different things stress people out in different ways. You know, some some people just want to break from their kids and family stuff. That that's fine. I completely understand that. Depends why I float quite regularly. Is the joy having interesting? You know, I like that you brought it up to just like kind of let it do what it does, because there is a period for a while where 
I'd started to have these kind of breakthrough, like with ideas and work things and whatever. And then I started to create expectations around my floats. Like I would line up problems that I'm going to solve in my float. And if that didn't happen, the float would then feel like a failure. And then it was like, I didn't do this right or whatever. And I I got through that. I don't do that shit anymore, but I did for a while. Yeah, Yeah. And not having the expectation of it's going to be this or it's going to be this or I need this out of it and just kind of letting, like mm-hmm. you said, your your mind and your body do what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's almost similar. I mean, I've had conversations around people who are integration and guides with psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost the same. It's almost the same advice. Yeah. Of let it do what it's going to do, and it's where the expectations or the resistance or the mm. whatever comes in and the projections that it yep. can become a little bit of a frustrating experience. Sure. So that's brilliant advice. And the last question I have is if somebody wants to try this out and find a place to float near them, how do they do that both North America or Europe or or anywhere? How do they find a place to float? And are there any questions that they should ask a float center or spa location? Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, it depends. I mean, everywhere's like different. There's like, like, for example, like if you're in the UK, then we, we have a like flotation therapy directory, which I created like a little while ago. So, I mean, generally, to be honest with you, a, a Google search for I mean, most float centers, are, because, you know, they, we're not talking about massage. So, because obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of massage places. If you can literally going to type in float center and then wherever you are, generally it should come up because <laughs> there's quite a few of them around. But there's not like in Europe, there's not, not enough loads that it's going to flood the Google searches. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. So for that, and I'm not sure, like flotation locations is a website as well. So I'm not sure if they're still how up to date it is, but they had a list of all the European ones and there's ones in the US. What's your well. UK database? What's the website? So the UK one is. We'll so put the link. We'll put the link okay. in the show notes. So <clears throat> yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can email me the link after we're done. Yeah. So basically it's ukfloatcenters.co.uk. Okay. .co.uk. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I mean then, Europe, is there a Europe's, database in the US? The US one, you'd have to probably go onto somewhere like flotation locations. Okay. I think that, I think that's like the main one, but yeah. So they're, they're like the main Any, any red you, flags? Like, are there, are there people out there running float centers that shouldn't be, or is there any like things going on that are uh, I any say, red flags <clears throat> or any questions to ask or anything? I think the main thing is, is that what you probably have, Unless you're in like places like Australia, so like there's, I mean, in the US you've got like places like True Rest that obviously part of a franchise, or same with Australia, there's uh, another company that's kind of a franchise that's sort of spreading across. But what you probably find is the majority, pretty much all the rest of the float centers are all independently owned. Do you see what I mean? So, so the, but the thing is, is most what I've done and what a lot of float centers have done is they put information about themselves and why they opened the center. So I definitely check that out if they've got that on the website. Look at their history in terms of what, you know, where they've come from, you know, in terms of why they started floating. You can sort of tell a little bit more because they're independent. If you've got more of a passion for it, or it's had a really big impact on you. Not to say that other centers that don't, you know, they, they, there's some great centers out there that don't put that up. I know loads, but what you probably tend to find the main reason why these, ind- in these individuals have opened their centers, I'd say about 99% of the time. It's because the floating side has probably had an impact on them initially themselves. And that's why they decided to open, you know, and it's always good to know or find out as well if the owners and staff float regularly as well, I guess, because 
Do you, do you see what I mean? You're not going to, uh, yeah. If, you, if they don't float, then it's kind of like, okay, you're going to have to question why, you know. <laughs> and don't uh, trust a chef who doesn't like food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's okay. like, to be honest, most of the time, I think 99% of the time, the centers are, are fine. What you'll find is the, the main difference, the main thing that it, every center will be slightly different because everybody's, every owner's going to put their own personality on it. It's not kind of run a mill, like, you know because it's like the centers sort of become part of them because of you know they they, they love floating so much so yeah yeah so yeah. it's kind of it's always interesting to see you know and those who care about it a lot more will be their, their centers or their centers will show it as well uh, you know it's you, i always you, find you, it interesting going to new ones because i've probably been to about i don't know 15 or so now and there's little nuances that are different, yeah. like the check-in process, what you do with your shoes, do you wear sandals, where's, where do you go, where do you change, do you change or do you, in, in the float room, is the shower in the float room, are there separate rooms, is there a chill-out room, what's the decor like, some of them I've been in are really kind of dark and they have yep. like salt lamp type lighting, other ones are really well lit, and it's more of like a hygienic type yeah. feel to it, like it's mm-hmm. like a super clean feel, the pods with the lights on the inside that look like little space bubbles, Versus I've been in the room. I've been in the full room. There's one in St. George, Utah that I went in where you open the door and it's just boom, you're in a room with a little bit of water in it. I've been in the ones that you go on the wall and it's like a closet almost and it's in there. I've been in the white ones and then the old, the Samadhi was the square one. That was the first one. So I've been in probably like five different kinds of pods and tanks. But once you get in there and the light turns off and the sound is off and you're floating, It's exactly the same and it doesn't matter where you are. No, exactly, exactly. I think it's the important thing is just for me, it's like the customer said, this is service kind of thing. So it's how you'll, it's like from, from when you come through the door to when you leave, basically. So I want our, um, like first, I want our, we've got clients and members that have been with us for like, you know, seven years. And I think it's, you know, and, and you, I, to be honest with you, I try and just be myself. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm generally pretty relaxed on things and we'll have good conversations with people and whatever. But it's people who want to talk and be engaged, and especially after a float session. It's always important to make, you know, time. Sometimes some clients don't really want to talk too much, whatever, that's fine. They have their books and things they can read in the chill-out room. But I usually try and make, you know, at least, you know, five, ten minutes or so just um, in between clients if I can to, um, you know, at least conversate with them when, learn a bit more about them and, vi- and vice versa because they always have questions they want to talk more they want to learn more so it's just about building relationships basically if you're if you're willing to if the staff and the owners are willing to you know make efforts with them you know not treat them as just oh someone's coming in for a float oh let's try and upsell them to get oh three floats and da, da, da. see that that's just like you know i don't believe in all that kind of side of things to be honest it's more important yeah, for me yeah. to build, build relationships with people and I, I know, you know, I know people that keep coming there, come back, or there'll be a few months, but I know their names. I know who they are. There's, you know. Let the tank do the sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, me, yeah, yeah, exactly. I got out yeah. of there and I was like, how many of these can I buy at once? Is there a way to do this for cheaper? Can I get a membership? I used to have a membership. I'd get to go twice a okay. month. And that was yeah. like my, that was my jam. And some places have memberships. Some do packages. Some have mm-hmm. both. Some have other services. I've been to one that's a float tank, had cryotherapy, had oh, yeah. saunas, had all kinds of other stuff. I primarily just floated, but yeah, well, thanks for all the info, Mike, Michael. It's, if you haven't tried it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's between the float tank and the infrared sauna are pretty much my two favorite things to do. And they're very, very different, but 
I feel awesome after both of them. And I can't imagine my life without either of them. Like it's, it's just part, it becomes part of my life. And it's my, it's my thing. Like it was one of the first things I looked up when I got here to Italy was where can I float? And I found it and I drove 90 minutes and I just telling before we went on air, I was basically learning how to drive a manual car in the city in Florence, just so I could get to the float spot. And then I really, really needed the float by the time I got there because I was like, blood pressure of 200. So it was the first thing I searched out when I got here and I'll definitely, it's 90 minutes away. So I'll probably only be able to go once a month, but I'm going to be going until I can figure out a way to get one here. I'm already working on a couple of the fancy bed and breakfast owners around here in the Hills in Tuscany being like, you know what your guests would really like? It's this thing. It's a float tank. So I'm trying to get a couple of high-end bed and breakfast owners here to, to invest in a, in a float tank for ultimate relaxation in in the tuscan hills <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet man yeah 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 sweet. so thank you so much and thanks for all the work Pleasure. you're doing to help out and spread the the news and the research and the organizations that you're part of do a lot to support float center owners and really help them be successful in what they're doing because then they can reach more people and i've noticed i went for the first time probably 10 years ago now maybe a little mm-hmm. longer and float centers were not there were not very many. It didn't seem, and they were harder to find. And now it's it's much easier to find in, in many parts of the world. So the news is getting around. It is. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, we opened in 2015. So and since then, the number, number of centers across the UK has, has doubled. So yeah, and I think there's definitely been an increase, even even with COVID lockdowns and stuff. There, you know, there's been maybe five, six centers, I think, across the whole UK, the new ones that have opened. But I think we've lost maybe like three... But, you know, that's, you know, it's part of, you know, it's going to happen, I guess, with COVID and business being shut and et cetera. But, um, but we have a lot of whole, new, whole bunch of new ones and things. So it's definitely, definitely growing. And like, I think, I think it's going to get, you know, there'll be more and more, but it's just going to be a matter of time, I think. So Every town, get a float center in every town. Some towns yeah. need two. Cities need yeah. like five. Yeah, you need so. you better, you, you better <laughs> start on your Tuscany one, man, you know. I yeah that I, it it has crossed my mind to open a little place that has a float pod and infrared sauna and maybe a couple of services or something. There's a lot of people that come through here that I think would really oh yeah dig checking that out. I think it'd be um, great, man. Relax you for your trip for the wine. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. It was That's great it. chatting with you. I'll thank definitely you. reach out when it's time to to open a, a center here in oh, yeah. in Italy. Happy to come visit. Take it easy. Have a good one. Take care, man. You too. Thanks for the talk. You too. And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening. And please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guests and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit, which will help you implement what you're learning here and make powerful shifts in your health and your life right away. Just go to www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations and you can be started in only a few minutes. If you enjoy the show, please drop a rating, review, or subscribe to stay in the loop with future releases.